The following is a continuation in our series called Stories in the Shadows, looking at how we see Jesus in the Minor Prophets. We hope you enjoy. All right, so let's turn to the book of Joel. Book of Joel. So we are in the book of Joel tonight, and we're going to talk about locusts. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you for all the many ways that you love us and take care of us. And we just ask that you would be with us tonight as we look at a very difficult book, a very odd and strange book, but one that tells us a lot about the destructive nature of sin, but also the incredible power of restoration that we find in Jesus. So I pray that you would be with us this evening and I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. The year was 1755. It was November 1st in the city of Lisbon, Portugal. There was one of the most devastating earthquakes that's ever struck in the history of earthquakes. The tidal wave actually started about six miles off the coast and made its way inland. And the earthquake only lasted six total minutes, but every single public building in Lisbon was completely destroyed, as well as 12,000 houses were all just leveled. That's how devastating. It was like an 8.4 on... The Richter scale? Yes, on the Richter scale. Okay, In the earthquake, and then there was a wildfire that broke out because of the earthquake, which lasted about seven days. So in those seven days, 60,000 people died. It's this catastrophic, awful event. And it didn't just stop there. So about 700 miles away in North Africa, in a place called Algiers, heavy damage was recorded there. You keep going outward, 3,740 miles away in an island that you've probably never heard of, because I've never heard of it, called Martinique, which is located just north of Venezuela in South America, near the Dominican Republic. Waves of 12 feet were seen 3,740 miles away from this earthquake. That's a big deal. It's a big earthquake. That's a lot of destruction. Halfway across the world, they're seeing the effects of it, okay? And we've seen disasters like this over and over through Katrina and Hurricane Andrew in the early 90s and all these devastating storms. And it can cause us to ask these kinds of questions. How can there be a good God who allows things like this to happen? How can there be a good God that allows this type of mass destruction to happen? And we may not be able to understand the intricacies of the answer to that question in its fullest because we live here on earth. And one day when we get to be with God, we'll understand the way that God had worked throughout time and through things like this. But we actually get a glimpse of the answer to this question in the book of Joel. Okay, we're going to look at a massively destructive thing that happened in the life of God's people. Joel describes something just as scary and alarming as this earthquake was. And he's talking about the destructive nature of sin. So we're going to look at this event of these locusts tonight. So here's what I want us to see tonight. Here's kind of our main point. Sin is destructive, but Jesus has the power to restore what the locust has destroyed. Sin is destructive, but Jesus has the power to restore what the locust has destroyed. And I borrowed some language from Joel for that, so we'll get to that here in just a little bit. But I want us to first begin by just looking at the first couple verses of Joel. Let's turn our attention to verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, son of Pethuel. Joel's name is... Two words going together, Joel, and it literally means Jehovah is God, Yahweh is God. 
He was the son of this dude named Pethuel, just like Hosea last week. We know nothing other than Joel, other than his dad's name. We don't have a whole lot of information, but his dad's name meant mouth of God. So we know that there was this lineage in his family of people who wanted to be faithful to God. There's much debate over when the book of Joel actually happened. Some people put it past the exile. Some people put it before. I think most of the evidence will point to it happening before the exile because Joel is speaking of some pretty destructive things that are on the way. Uh, He doesn't mention any kings here. He doesn't mention the major enemies that are usually mentioned by most of the prophets. So we tend to believe that Joel prophesies before the exile. And why is this important? I think it's important because there's something coming. And Joel's speaking towards this thing that's coming. And he's saying, this destructive thing is going to ravage you. It's going to cause so much destruction, not only for you physically, but also your land and your families. Joel's primary message, he talks about this thing called the Day of the Lord. And that's what I want us to focus on tonight. So he speaks of locusts and plagues and droughts. But he also speaks of judgment and restoration. And that's where I want us to land tonight. So that's Joel in context. Let's look at how we see Jesus in the book of Joel. So turn your attention to verses 2 through 4. When he says this, Hear this, you elders, give ear all inhabitants of the land. Has such a thing happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? Tell your children of it. Let your children tell their children and their children to another generation. I want you to listen to this language here. And I want you to think about the absolute destruction that they're seeing through these locusts. What the cutting locust has left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust has left, the hopping locust has eaten. What the hopping locust has left, the destroying locust has eaten. So this picture that Joel is trying to paint for us is, it's not like these locusts just kind of showed up and they kind of, you know, had some fun, did their thing, and they moved on, right? He talks about different types of locusts doing different types of things. So one after another, they're just destroying and destroying and destroying and destroying and destroying. So there's nothing left. Okay? It's this hopeless, bleak thing that they're seeing here. And what Joel is wanting us to see is if, if we ignore God and his promises to us, if we ignore his call for us to be faithful to him, that's exactly what sin does for us. Sin will creep into our hearts and it will be just like a locust seeking to ravage and destroy us, to shake our foundations, to take away all the things that are good from us. Now, Joel doesn't specifically talk about Jesus in this passage, but I want us to think about this. One writer talks about how in the Old Testament, two of the major themes that we see, the coming of God, the Redeemer, in the midst of the exile, but it's also pointing to something greater. That thing that's greater is pointing to Jesus who brings us out of exile who brings us back into relationship with him. So Joel's speaking into that calamity, right? He's speaking into the need for someone to come in and save, right? And he's talking about the destructive nature of these locusts. In fact, he says, tell your children. And not only that, tell your children to tell their children. Because this thing is going to be nuts. This thing is going to be crazy. You and I really don't have categories for locusts. Like, it's not something we encounter. Has anybody ever seen a locust? None of you, okay? None of us. We don't really have an understanding of locusts and what they do. But locusts are really no joke. Okay? It's not something that's just like, oh, that's just a bug. Why can't we just get rid of them? Right? Get, get some raid out and spray them. Like, it's not how locusts work. Okay? I was reading an article about, this was an article from 1915 this week, talking about how locusts lay their eggs. So in a square meter of soil, a few locusts can lay up to 
as many as 65,000 to 75,000 eggs. So just take a couple of these carpet squares right here. 70,000 locusts just in that one spot. And the picture that Joel paints is that when these female locusts came and they laid these eggs, it was all over the land. So if you can imagine, when these locusts invaded, they pretty much darkened the skies because of how many there were. It was devastating. This is why in verse 4 when he says, What the cutting locust has left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust has left, the hopping locust has eaten. What the hopping locust has left, the destroying locust has eaten. I hope you see the progression there, right? The locusts come, they destroy, they lay eggs, which hatch and bring what? More destruction. Okay? There's no room for anything hopeful here. This is just this barren, barren land. In fact, Joel talks about how amazing and crazy this is. In verse 2 he says, Has such a thing ever happened in your days or in the days of your father? He's saying, this is crazy. I don't even know how to categorize what's going on right now. Have you all ever seen anything like this? I haven't. Let me ask you this. Any of you all tend to get really frustrated and just throw up your hands when things get really, really difficult? Like, here we go again. I'm done. I don't want anything to do with this anymore. Sometimes that's how we react. But Joel actually does the opposite here. Instead of being like, this is crazy, Lord, I can't believe you're doing this. Why? He actually looks inward and he gives us a call to repentance. Joel specifically doesn't throw up his hands. He recognizes the severity of the issue and says, there's a solution for this. There's a promise that we need to remember. He seeks to respond well, and he calls for mourning and repentance. When we think of mourning, we think about just crying. But people in biblical times, they had specific things they did for mourning. They put on sackcloth. They put on ashes. And they physically, like it was, it was this deep-seated emotional mourning for what was going on. He calls the people to this. Okay? Uh, if you go further into the book, the image of the locust invasion is very bluntly describing something even greater. And that something is what we call the day of the Lord. So let's look at chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. So in the midst of all this destruction, Joel draws our attention here. He says, Blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness, there is spread upon the mountains. A great and powerful people, there like has never been before, nor will ever be again after them, through the years of all generations. So he's looking at this picture of these locusts, and he's saying, if you think that's crazy, if you think that's destructive, if you think that is power, then think about when God's going to come back and bring judgment to the world. That's the power he wants us to see there. He's clearly pointing towards the day of the Lord, which, being on this side of the crucifixion, we see that as when Jesus comes back. I think that's exactly what Joel... He may not know he's actually talking about this because he didn't know about Jesus, but he's speaking towards something in the future. He's saying, this is coming, and we need to be ready for it. We need to turn from our sin. We need to trust in God. We need to lean into him. The locust invasion was just, as one writer says, it's just a foretaste of what we're going to see when God comes back. See, the greater lesson here than the locust is seeing what happens on that day. See, God just doesn't look at your sin and my sin and say, you know what, y'all were just having fun. It's all good, right? He doesn't look at our sin and say, you know, it really wasn't that big of a deal. I'll just brush it off to the side. 
Okay? God hates sin, and he has to deal with our sin. By his grace, he gives us grace, right? And I'm very thankful for that. But Joel wants us to see that we have to take it incredibly seriously. Because sometimes we just look at our sin and we're like, whatever, right? I've been there. I've looked at my sins. You know what? Is it really that offensive to God? Is it really that bad? But Joel wants us to deal with our sin and be reminded that God's judgment is always meant to be what he talked about here when he said, sound an alarm. Like God's coming judgment is always meant to be a signal for us to return to him and a signal for us to run to him whenever we sin. He wants us to not deal with it ourselves or brush it under a rug. He wants us to take our struggles, to take our sinful hearts to God and plead with him and say, Lord, please change me from within. Because without you, my heart is like a bunch of locusts eating a field. And without you, there's no chance of any kind of restoration. See, the day of the Lord is that day when Jesus comes back and lets his people into heaven. But he also judges people on that day. If that day when he comes again was just a day where he says, yeah, y'all just come on in. Okay? He would never have had to die on the cross because on the cross, he's literally saying that destruction, that destructive nature, those locusts that are eating away at your heart, I died for that. And I had to in order to draw you to myself. And the beautiful picture that we actually get to see in the midst of all this, if you turn your attention to verses 12 and 13 of chapter 2, this is where we see Jesus right here. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. See, Joel's solution to looking at the chaos is to look at God's open arms waiting for his people to wake up and to see their need of him. He simply calls them to look at him. Why? Because he's gracious, because he's merciful, because he's slow to anger, steadfast in love. You know people that are really quick to anger, really quick to get frustrated with you? God never does that. Sometimes it may seem like he is, but he never does that. When your words or actions have hurt somebody, I want you to think about this. There's really not much else that's like music to your ears other than hearing the words, I forgive you. Like when you've really deeply hurt somebody and you know that you've caused hurt and they say, I still love you. I still forgive you. That is so quieting and amazing to the soul. And those words are inviting, right? Those words are comforting. Those words speak grace to your heart because you feel that guilt and that shame for bringing hurts. And God really wants us to see that we have forgiveness in him. Sometimes we're so blinded by the locusts that are inside of us, eating away at us through our sin and through our blindness. Love is always going to trump any sort of grudge. Love is always going to trump any sort of mistake. Love is always going to trump anything that tries to take us away from God. Jesus is inviting us in here. Jesus is saying, I don't care how much of this destructive stuff you've had in your life. Okay? You're mine. And if I've called you to myself, I'm never going to let you go. And I want you to run back to me. Come. I have open arms waiting for you. 
Okay? And I think this is an important message for us to hear. This is an important message for us as the church to hear. In your small groups, you're going to read from Hebrews chapter 12, which talks about how God disciplines those whom He loves. Sometimes God allows things like this to happen in our lives in order to teach us something about Himself. Sometimes we go through difficult things because God is trying to show us more of His mercy and His grace. In Numbers chapter 11, 29, Moses alludes to this wish that he has where he wishes that all people would receive the Holy Spirit. And Joel actually speaks to that here in verses 28 and 29. And this is actually really, really awesome because it, again, points towards something greater that's going on. And it shall come to pass afterwards, and I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. Even the male and female servants, in those days, I will pour out my Spirit. See, Joel recognizes that uh, there's something big coming. There's something amazing coming. And we actually got to see a really cool picture of that in the beginning of Acts at Pentecost where the Spirit came upon people and they started speaking in languages they'd never heard and doing these healings and doing all these amazing things for God. And and Joel's trying to, to give us just a glimpse of the power of restoration that God brings to the power of His Spirit. Here, All this is made possible through Jesus. So when Joel speaks of God being gracious and merciful, slow to anger, being rich in steadfast love, Jesus is the epitome of that. He's the one that, that actually shows that to us through His life, death, and resurrection. And there's always time to return. Now, there's never a time where you can say, it's too late for me. I'm far too gone. Okay? Uh, that starts with not thinking that you have the power to repair the ruins of your heart, but, but rather Jesus does, rather Jesus can. The fact that you need Jesus shows you exactly where you need to be. Uh, you can't fix it on your own. You can't do it on your own. We need to make that incredibly apparent and serious in our hearts when we're looking at our sin. One pastor says it this way. He's got a really cool Scottish accent, so I can't say it as cool as he does. But he says, the inability to take this serious is an indication that the locusts have already done their work in our hearts. So if we don't have the ability to take our sin seriously, this is all that's going to happen in our hearts. It's just going to eat away at us and eat away at us and eat away at us. God's invitation to us through Jesus. That's the only place that we can find true healing. Amen? Let's pray and then we'll put up in small groups. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this message, Lord, this dark and scary and kind of depressing message, Lord, of this destruction. But it's also a story of healing, a story of grace. And we pray that as we unpack this material a little bit, that you would be with us, that you would watch over us, and that you would teach us more about Christ in all things. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an eye out for more audio upcoming from WYM.